0: Well, today we continue uh, this journey called Grow. We're looking in Scripture to discover uh, those ingredients, or many of the ingredients, ingredients that God has described that will help us grow as followers of Jesus and will help us grow as the church. And, friends, no matter how young and no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus, or how brief you've been a follower of Jesus, we all must grow. None of us have arrived. Not one of you, not one of me. None of us have arrived, and we all are in need of growth as a follower of Jesus. Our church is in need of growth. Until Jesus comes and collects us home to heaven, our church needs to grow. As long as there's one more person who doesn't know Christ, That's one more person that we need to grow into the body called First Norfolk. And the the question is, how do we grow? What is the biblical description of what it takes to grow as a follower of Jesus and as a church? And one of those answers is prayer. Uh, We're going to look at prayer. Last week, uh, through Facebook, we, uh, we looked at Luke chapter 22. We heard Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and, and, uh, and before he was crucified. He went to the garden and, and, and he went a, a, a little bit further from his disciples. But while he was leaving his disciples in Luke 22, he says, pray lest you enter into temptation. Then he goes a stone's throw away and he kneels before God and he begins to pray. And he says this, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And uh, the scripture says that uh, that God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus. And then the next verse, it says that Jesus being in agony, even though he is being strengthened by God, Jesus being in agony, prayed more earnestly. And the earnestness of his prayer uh, was symbolized and portrayed by sweat dropping off his brow as if they were drops of blood. He gets up from his praying time and he goes and he finds his disciples asleep from sorrow, Luke wrote. And he says, why are you sleeping? Rise up and pray lest you enter into temptation. As we looked at that passage, there are some things that, that we begin to learn about prayer and how praying must grow us. First of all, we saw that uh, praying is powerful to grow us to grow our church and to grow us personally as followers of Christ, prayer is most powerful when it is a daily practice. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke wrote, as was his custom, which means that that was something he did regularly. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane regularly to pray. Prayer is most powerful when it is our daily practice. second thing we learned is that... that, uh, uh, we grow when we uh, find our security in God's embrace through prayer. Uh, when we pray, uh, Jesus went to the Father to pray because He knew that God was the only One who could secure Him facing uh, the all the suffering and the pain and the sorrow and the and, and the and the torment. Uh, it was more than His humanity could bear, so He runs to the Father into the embrace of the Father, kneels before the Father to find security there. Even though he was still going to go through all the pain, he needed his Father's embrace to find security. He told his disciples, he says, pray so you don't enter into temptation. He's saying when the testing comes, you want to find security, it's found in the Father's embrace through prayer. Prayer is powerful when it's our daily practice, and prayer uh, gives us security in the Father's embrace. The third thing we saw uh, was that, that uh, uh, prayer uh, is powerful and helps us grow when we're praying the will of the Father. And so often we pray our will be done, but what Jesus teaches us is that we grow when we're praying God's will be done even when it runs counter to what we want that that's not really how we normally pray and I'm not just painting us in a negative light this is me too I mean I we so often pray God this is what I want will you make it happen I mean it's just us right I'm really in that so often how we pray God this is what I want will you make it happen Now, there is a place for that in prayer. It's called called petitions or supplications. There is a place for that in prayer. But what prayer does, and as we grow in our relationship with God, what prayer does is it adjusts adjusts what we want to match what God wants. If you're praying contrary to the will of God, then you're not really praying. You're just giving a list. You're just making your Santa Claus list. Prayer is where we talk to God, he talks to us, and then we, because he's God, we're not, right? We adjust our will to match his will. If you're not willing to adjust your will to match God's will, either you're not a follower of Jesus or you're so immature as a follower of Jesus or you are just a stubborn follower of Jesus but regardless, you're not growing in relationship with God. It is not spiritual to pray your sweet little prayers all the while hardening your heart against what God wants. That's not spiritual. That's rebellion. And Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. That's how we know we're growing. It's when we embrace God's will through prayer. The last thing we saw last week, by the way, this is a whole sermon in a few minutes, but last thing we saw last week in this passage is that as Jesus prayed, God strengthened him, and that's really what we can know and and the promise that we can hold on to as followers of Jesus even today. When we pray, God will strengthen us. When we go and open our hearts before God, kneeling before him, submitting to him, uh, opening our hearts to him in submission and worship and adoration, we say, God... Now, I, Not my will, but yours be done. And and God, this is what's happening in my life and it's painful and I don't like it, but God, this is what's happening. And and regardless of what you tell me I have to do, I'm submitting to you and I'm giving myself to you. And and the Bible says that God sent an angel to minister strength to Jesus in that time. And the same thing is true for us. When we pray God's will and, and submit ourselves to him, he will give us strength. He will supernaturally strengthen us. But I want you to note the next verse, I think it's verse 43 of chapter 22, Luke 22, 43. It says, it says, all right, so the angel comes and gives strength to Jesus, the very next phrase, and Jesus being in agony, prayed more fervently. See, what happens is so often we get caught up in this idea that I'm going to pray, God's going to remove the pain, and I'm going to move forward. And sometimes he does that. But more than not, in Scripture we see, I'm praying. God doesn't change my circumstances and he doesn't remove the pain. He gives me strength, so I need to pray more fervently so I get more strength. Sometimes God doesn't take away the pain. Sometimes he doesn't change the circumstances. He will always strengthen us in the midst of it. And and when we're praying and he gives us strength and the pain ramps up, the answer is not to stop praying. The answer is to pray more fervently so that we gain more strength. The greater, more fervent we are in prayer, the more strength we get from God, no matter how the circumstances think. So that was last week. Today, last week we looked at Jesus in prayer. Today we're looking at the disciples in prayer. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, specifically in verse 14, we get insight into the prayer life of the disciples, which helps us understand how that we are to pray. And and the disciples, uh, here they are, the 11 disciples, Mary, Mary, uh, the women who followed Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary and Martha, probably uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then the brothers of Jesus—they're all in this upper room. What has happened up to this point? Uh, in in uh, uh, Acts chapter one, verses five, uh, five and six, uh, Jesus is gathering with his disciples. He's already been crucified. He's already been resurrected. And so now he's with his disciples and he's talking to them. And, and they ask him in verse six, Jesus, are you going to inaugurate? Are you going to unleash the kingdom of Israel right now? Is this what's the next step? Jesus, you've been killed on a cross. We thought doom and gloom. Then you were resurrected from the dead and we thought victory. Now, are you going to bring about the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to break through in this dark world the wondrous kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in verse 7 He says, It's not for you to know the time or the seasons or the places that belong only to the mind of God. I love verse 7. Can I just, and this isn't part of the sermon, but it's a really good word for us today. Verse 7 Jesus said and says to us, Stay in your lane. take care of what God has given you to take care of and let God take care of what is his to take care of. It is not our business to dictate to God when the second coming is supposed to happen. It is not our business to know the dates or the times or even the the circumstances that, that, that his second coming is going to happen. That's not our business. That's God's business. Jesus said, stay in your lane. Here's what you need to focus in on. But you will receive, this is verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus made it very clear to them what they're supposed to be doing. And really it sets the pattern for their life as it's described in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And Jesus said, here's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be a witness for me throughout the world. You're supposed to be a witness for me in the places that you go and even in the places that you're not really inclined to go. You need to intentionally go there and be a witness for me. And Jesus was saying, here's your purpose. Here's God's vision. Here is your plan. Go be a witness for me. And prayer helps us stay in our lane. Prayer helps us leave with God the things that belong to God. And prayer helps us embrace the things that belong to us. Now, that's exactly what happens after Jesus ascends to heaven. Um, The disciples get in the upper room and they begin to pray. Look at verse 14. In verse 14... Uh, of, of Acts chapter one, it says, these all, these being, being the disciples, plus the women who followed Jesus, plus Mary, the mother of Jesus, plus the brothers of Jesus, these all continued with one accord, one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So the disciples, the 11 that remain, Judas is dead, the eleven remain. They get in the upper room with Mary, the, mo- the mother of Jesus, the women who followed Jesus, and the brothers of Jesus, and they prayed. The first course of business. They didn't strategize how that they would go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's not the first thing they did. And they didn't sit down with spreadsheets trying to analyze what is the next great sermon series they need to preach. They didn't, they didn't get with their financial backers and say, how are we going to pay for this plan? Uh, they, didn't, they didn't try to figure out, well, if we run out of room here, how are we going to get over here and, and where, where are we going next? They didn't, they, they didn't try to do any of that. You know what they did? They prayed. Why? Because prayer is essential for intimacy with God and that's what they needed. You see, if you and I are going to grow as followers of Christ, and if we're going to grow as a church, it's because we're going to grow in intimacy with God. Growth is not about a number. Growth is about a relationship. We grow in intimacy with God, and the greater we are in intimacy with God, the more we have grown. And prayer, when we pray, we grow in intimacy with God. Look, you and I measure a lot of things. We say we're growing if we attend this many Bible studies. Or we, we say we're growing if we, uh, if we memorize so many verses. Or we say we, we're growing if we, if we make sure that we have perfect attendance in this, that, or the other thing. Or we say we're growing if we have 10% more this year than we had last year. Or we say we're growing if we do, uh, if we do uh, 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 20% more in our budget giving. Uh, 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 those are numbers. And, and can I tell you, that's not a measure of growth. growth. not the way God measures growth. I keep track of all those things, by the way. I do. I measure all those things. I I have my spreadsheets. I'm not playing with the spreadsheets. I mean, I do my spreadsheets. And I have spreadsheets for all those things. But that's not growth. Followers of Jesus, friends, brothers, sisters, we grow when we grow in intimacy with God, not when we grow by doing more stuff. We grow in intimacy with God, and that growth in intimacy with Him leads us to accomplish His purpose. And His purpose is clear; His purpose is crystal clear. The first church weren't confused; they didn't have a confusion of purposes. Their purpose was very clear: You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses for Me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's your purpose be a witness for Jesus. You know what the purpose of this church is? Be a witness for Jesus. Come on. It hadn't changed. We get confused because we have all these wonderful accoutrements around us. Did y'all like that? That was kind of a we get confused because we have all this wonderful stuff around us and we begin to think that our purpose is, 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 is keeping the seats warm or keeping the lights on or, or, or keeping more people in the room or, or, or having more of this or having uh, less of that. We, we, we get confused with our purpose. Our purpose is still clear. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. The, the first disciples weren't confused. They knew what their purpose was. They weren't consumed with a desire to make sure that people in their clan were happier to entertain the troops or entertain the crew or, 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 or to get more money in the coffers. They, they weren't confused about that. That's not their purpose. Guys, listen. First Norfolk, listen. Our purpose is clear. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Follower of Jesus, your purpose is still clear. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. As we pray, we grow in intimacy with God so that we can fulfill the purpose that he's given us to fulfill. We grow in relationship with God through prayer. Why? Because intimacy grows through communion and conversation. And This this is just like a proverb. It's a a wisdom. If you're in a relationship, whether it's a husband-wife relationship, a father-daughter, daughter-son-mother relationship, whether it's a dating relationship or a friend-to-friend relationship, it's just this simple. If you communicate, intimacy grows. If you do not communicate, you will not grow in intimacy. And by the way, communication is not leaving a to-do list on the refrigerator. Communication is me opening my heart to you, you opening your heart to me, And us connecting in conversation with open hearts. Prayer is when we cry out to God with an open heart and he speaks to us with an open heart. And we connect with him in that conversation. So the first disciples, they got together, and Jesus has just left. His physical presence wasn't with them any longer, so they, they did what they knew they needed to do to get close to him. He's in heaven, but they knew that they could be close to him. How? By talking with him. So they begin to pray. And it wouldn't do just to have an, an occasional conversation. It wasn't enough. Some of you who have uh, deployed spouses or deployed children, or some of you have been on deployment and, 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 and been away from your family, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Just an occasional word every now and then, just, man, that, that's just not enough. You're, you're looking for opportunities and ways to connect and communicate with those you love. You, you hunger for that. You're looking for that opportunity. So the disciples continued with one accord in prayer, continued. You know what that means? They were looking for that opportunity. They were yearning for that moment. They were were consistently, persistently looking how they could communicate with God. Why? Because that, that communication was what connected them in relationship, and they needed God. I think part of the reason that we don't communicate with God in prayer is because we don't know that we really need Him. In our pride, we think that we can handle it on our own, or in our pride, we think we've got the best uh, ideas or the best approaches. Maybe we're not communicating with God because we don't want to become vulnerable and hear what God has to say. If we open our heart to Him and He opens His heart to me and and, and we begin to talk, then maybe He's going to show me something about me that I don't want to change. And so we, we just don't talk to Him. Have you? Ever, when I was a kid, um, and and away at college, and and mom and dad would want to know about my grades. That was before the days of cell phones. By the way, no such thing as texting, and email was not a reality. All we had was a landline and snail mail. And if my grades were not good, conversation between me and home, non-existent. And they would call and call and call and call and call and call and call. call call. Oh, he's out. He's out. My roommate had it down. Oh, he's not here. I'd run out of the room. He's not here. Why? Because... I knew that if I had to tell them the bad news about my grades, that then they would make sure that I had to adjust the things I was doing so I wouldn't repeat that bad grade scenario. Y'all know what I'm talking about? In our relationship with God, one of the reasons we stopped talking to Him is because if we open our heart to Him and He opens His heart to us, then He's going to reveal certain things about us that He doesn't want us to continue. And we don't really want to give those things up. If that's who you are today, please understand you're not going to grow until you relinquish control of the thing you don't want to give up. Intimacy grows through communication. Secondly, intimacy grows through harmony. Not harmony.com, although that's neat. Uh, Harmony, it's where voices connect and sing the same song. It's where lives connect and go in the same direction. The Scripture says in verse 14 that... The disciples and, and, and the, the, those early disciples, they, 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 they continued with one accord in prayer. Being in one accord means that, that we, the church, speak with the same voice, move in the same direction. We have the same purpose and the same vision. You want to know what creates disharmony? It's when, when we are not growing together. Now, disharmony devastates growth. Disharmony devastates your growth and my growth. It, 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 it demoralizes, it devastates, it, it, it dismantles growth. If, if Edie and I, my wife and I, if we're in a fight, if we have disharmony, uh, then it affects everybody in the home. Not, not just her and me. It affects all my four daughters. And the two dogs. And the cat. It affects everyone. Why? Because, because if Edie and I are not singing with the same voice, if we're not moving in the same direction, then everybody's affected and growth is hampered. Intimacy is diminished. Same thing's true for the church and for you and me in the church. The reason the, the first disciples grew in intimacy with God is because the first disciples were walking in harmony and praying in harmony. And they were with one accord. And they got together and they knew their purpose. They knew their destiny. They knew their destination and they were committed to it. And they were walking in that direction. What happens to us? We get so sidetracked and wrapped around axles about things that are not important to God and we wonder why it is we're not growing. Or we disconnect ourselves from the body of believers. You know that there are people in our church who are not here today because they're living in disharmony with other people in this body of believers. And and it's it's not that they don't count themselves as members of First Norfolk anymore. They just stop coming here. Guys, that's not spiritual. That's immaturity. And it's a picture of someone who is stunted in their growth. Look, there is no way for you and me to grow as followers of Jesus if we're not connected to the community. At best, you're going to have stunted growth. We, We don't grow to the full measure and stature of Jesus Christ as followers of Christ unless we are connected in the body of believers with other believers in this setting, singing in harmony together, moving in the same direction together, praying together with one accord. You say, well, that was just a dozen or so people in Acts 1. Yeah, but in Acts 4, it was hundreds and hundreds of people. In Acts chapter 4, I just read it a few moments ago, uh, the, the, the whole church was gathered together and when they got word of James and uh, Peter and John being released from prison and all that that was said, they, they w- began to pray with one accord. What, what creates that one accord? They had not lost sight of their purpose as a church. They had not lost sight of their purpose that God had given to them as followers of Jesus. What was that? What is the purpose? But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You want to know what gets us disharmonized? It's when we fail to see the singular purpose that God has given us as followers of Jesus and as the church. And if you are not praying toward that purpose, even praying individually, God, you see where I am, you understand what's going on in my life, here are my circumstances, here are my financial struggles, here are my relational struggles, so, so God, you see all that, but, but God, I want to be part of your purpose. I want to bring you glory with my life. I want to be your witness in my world. And and God, I'm I'm having a trouble time doing all that with all these obstacles in the way. So God, would you show me how to navigate out of these obstacles? Now, that is not a selfish prayer. There is a prayer filled with purpose. Or God, I don't understand this new campus thing that's going on at First Norfolk. God, I don't understand it. But the leaders have gotten together and and prayed, and there's been this long journey of prayer, and and this is the direction that we believe that, that you've set for us so that we can faithfully be a witness for you in the seven cities of Hampton Roads. So God, show me what I need to do to be a part of that. Are you praying that way? Or is your prayer more like this? God, I don't like those people up there. Will you bring your judgment down on them? God, I wish you'd just get rid of that preacher. If you just get rid of that preacher, everything would be okay. God, I can't believe that you've let this church be what it is today. It's not like it was when I was 10. Of course, that was 1940 when you were 10. I don't mean that ugly. I really don't. But what stores in Hampton Roads are the same as they were in 1910? Seriously. The Bible's the same as it was in 1910. But that's different than, can't believe they're playing those drums in that church now. Right? Good. Now look at that. They try to hide it back there with all that plexiglass. They're still playing them drums over there. I Look. There's absolutely nowhere in Scripture. In fact, drums are in Scripture. You realize that, right? Heaven. <laughs> we got some drummers over here. Dr- drums are in Scripture. You want to know why we have an orchestra? And I, by the way, there are a lot, there are a lot of churches that have given up on orchestras and choirs. You know why we don't? Because we want as many voices praising God and leading in praise as we possibly can, number one. But the orchestra... Do you know what the orchestra is? The orchestra is the full-bodied representation of musical praise. I mean, I mean, I mean this, this is a gift. And when they're all playing in tune with one another, it's an even greater gift. Even more importantly, when we're all praying in tune, with one another. Then the place where we are gathered will be shaken by the Spirit of God and we will accomplish His purpose in our world. Intimacy grows through harmony. Disharmony devastates intimacy. The third thing that I would say in this passage is intimacy grows through submission. Now, I, I, I don't know if you understand this, but in my relationship with my family, it is my job as husband and father, to submit my wants to their needs. That's my job. That means that I give up stuff that I may want. This afternoon when the Dallas Cowboys beat the stuffing out of the Green Bay Packers, when that happens, I may not be able to watch the game because what I, I may want to watch the game, but I have a daughter going back to college, and I may need to help go f- pack her car, finish all her errands. I mean, I, this is all hypothetical because I know it wouldn't happen like that, but, <laughs> but my job is to submit what I want to what my family needs. That's my job. That's my job. That's what intimacy does. Intimacy calls me out to submit to those I love. Now, I want you to hear this. In prayer, we are submitting ourselves to the one that we love, knowing how he has loved us. See, God will never be manipulated by our prayers. But God will certainly be loved. When we pray in the posture of submission, then God opens his heart to us and we experience his love as we express our, our heart's love to him. Submission is, is the posture of prayer and prayer is, the, is prayer by definition, submission. Submission. If you are here and you are not submitting to the will of God, no matter how many flowery words you have in your prayer, you're not praying. You you cannot pray to God and not submit. It does not work. It's just a bunch of words. If you're praying and you're not submitting to the will of God in your emotions, in your will, in your attitude, in your heart, in your, in, in your relationships, if you're not submitting to him, you're not praying. You're just saying a bunch of words. Prayer, by definition, is submission to God. And we need to understand why. See, here's the thing. How many of y'all know what's going to happen in the next 15 minutes? I mean, mean, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 15 minutes. I don't either. God does. How many of you can predict what's going to happen in the next five years? You can look down the corridor of time and see five years into the future, and you can predict with absolute certainty this is going to happen in five years. How many of y'all can do that? By the way, don't raise your hand because then we would have to call some people. (laughs) Right? We can't predict the future. You know, God does. He already knows the future. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. You might write that one down. That's a great verse. Jesus is teaching on prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, he says, literally, God the Father knows what you need even before you ask. Amazing. God knows my heart. He knows my needs even before I ask. It's phenomenal. God knew the needs of Jesus when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed. But do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, again, he said, God, this is my need. And there's nothing wrong with expressing your need to the Father. That's good. You're opening your heart to him. I'm very honest with God about my emotions sometimes. about About my disappointments, about my expectations, even about my sinfulness. That's good communication. That leads to greater intimacy. But as I'm honest about my needs, I'm submitting myself to him. Jesus said, here's my heart. God, I don't want to have to go through this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There's submission. There's the key to praying. There's the key to intimacy with God. It's submitting my will to to the Father's will. After all, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven then after we're praying God your will be done in my life and in this world then give us this day our daily bread what we do is we give God the laundry list of all the things we want him to do and we never submit anything to him we say God now here's your job you do it we've gotten out of our lane prayer of submission keeps us in our lane God you're God I don't know exactly what you want me to do, but I'm going to depend upon you to show me and strengthen me and help me, and I will do it. Here's, here's good news for us. Here's good news for us. How many of y'all travel? Y- y'all travel? Travel to different countries or different cities? Y'all travel someplace? Uh, have you ever traveled someplace? You're plopped down in the airplane, you get in your rental car, and you have to go to point B over here. Say you're in St. Louis and you have to go somewhere uh, along the streets of St. Louis, but you've never been to St. Louis. You don't know any of the streets of St. Louis. You don't even know where the airport is in comparison to the city. That's the way so many of us live our lives. I mean, we don't know where we are. we certainly don't know how to get to where we need to be, and, and we're, we're flying in a fog. we're driving in, in darkness, and, and we need help. And the good news is, if you've traveled and you're in the streets of St. Louis and you, know, you, you get your GPS out and you plug in where you are, and the GPS knows exactly where you are. It, it fixes your location. It knows where you are. You might not know where you are, but GPS does. Not only that. You plug in the destination, this is the address where I'm supposed to go. The GPS will say, okay, here's where you are. I can take you to where you need to be. The the thing about God is this. God knows where you are. He knows your heart. He knows your anxieties. He knows your struggles. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrows. He knows your grief. There's nothing about you that's hidden from him. He knows exactly where you are. You might not even know where you are, but he does. More importantly, he knows how to get you where you need to be. And what prayer does is it says, God, you're the one directing me, and I'm going to follow your directions. Submission is where we determine we're going to submit ourselves to the directions that God has, even when those directions are painful. I'm not saying this would happen, but I want you to understand something. I, I, I want everybody here to listen to this. If after preaching this sermon, my wife and I go off to our room and uh, to our home, and, and we're praying together, and over the course of this 21-day prayer journey, if God were to say, "Eric, I don't want you to be the pastor at First Norfolk anymore," after 13 years, I would stop being pastor of this church. I may still be a member. But I wouldn't be pastor anymore. Why? Because I'm going to submit myself to God's directions. I don't understand it. Couldn't, couldn't explain it. No, I'm, that's hyperbole. Some of y'all, really? You sure? I'll be praying with you on that pastor. <laughs> but, but listen, if you're not willing to put it all on the table with God and say, Whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. That's not really prayer. That's just you talking to the air. I've already said it. You know, we all have our own idolatries, and it's hard for us to give stuff up. But if we're going to grow, we must submit. And prayer, by its definition, is the posture of submission. So today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer, to commit to a 21-day journey where we're praying specifically and intentionally together, where we continue in prayer and we continue in prayer with one accord. I'm asking you to join me in prayer today. Maybe God's leading you to give up something. Maybe he's already pinpointed the things that need to be submitted in your life. Maybe you need to come to this altar and pray. Maybe you need to come to one of these ministers. There was a, uh, a young lady who came forward so, uh, at, at the last service, and, and I've talked with her on several different occasions, and she's been struggling whether or not God wants her to be part of this church family. She's been struggling because of certain ideas that she already had in her heart about what church should be like, and, and this isn't quite like what she had really had in her mind or in her heart. Today, she came forward and she said, God has told me I need to submit to him and be part of this church family. Guys, maybe that's what God's doing in your life today. Intimacy comes through communication. How Are you talking to God? Intimacy comes through harmony. Maybe you're out of sync with what God wants in your life, in your family, or in this church, and you are out of sync. Maybe you need to repent being out of sync. Intimacy comes through submission. Maybe you've been holding on to something you hadn't let it go. Maybe it's a relationship or an idea or a thought or a process of, of living and, and you just refuse to let it go. And, and today God's calling you to submit. In the next few moments after, after I lead us in prayer, we're going to enter into this season. Ministers will be here and this altar will be open. You come and you pray as God leads you. So right now, just bow your heads. That's all. Enter into this this posture of prayer, this this attitude of prayer. Father, right now, as we have gathered in your name, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would take hold of us in this place and at this time. God, that that we might experience your renewing work in our lives, where we grow in fellowship and friendship with you, where, where we become humble before you. God, show us how to fear you, how to bend our lives before you. And God, in these next few moments as you, as you speak to those who have gathered, I pray that you draw us to this altar to pray and draw us to these ministers to receive help in prayer and prayer and instruction and draw us to praise you as we sing songs of praise to you. Be glorified as you shake this place with your presence. And it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.